Little honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard. Catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop him black gang candy stripes. Look at him loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that Mountain South Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. Today, we are setting the table with a feeling of thankfulness, Thanksgiving food, and recipes. Our guests are Mary Lynn Snyder, who was born and raised outside Harlan, Kentucky, at the R.C. Tway Coal Camp. She shares her mother's recipe for sweet potato casserole and stuffing like her mother used to make, and how they always had chicken and dumplings for Thanksgiving. Mary D.D. Constantine, retired food editor from the Knoxville News Sentinel, shares a heartwarming recipe for venison roast and venison steak. Fred Sossman shares a historic Tennessee memory of an annual event that used to take place in Hancock County, Tennessee, turkey herding. And I share a story I recorded from my late father, who is an old-fashioned East Tennessee doctor. He accumulated a lot of interesting stories in his 60-plus years of practicing medicine, and this story involves a turkey egg. I want to thank you so much for the honor of your good company here today. Thank you for tuning in by radio or podcast. I really appreciate your good company. Let's start off with a story and recipes from Mary Lynn Snyder. So you were talking about your mom and growing up in a coal mining camp, right? Which one? Where was that? It was um, a few miles outside of uh, the town of Harlan. Uh The name of the mining camp was R.C. Tway. R.C. Tway was a uh, businessman and entrepreneur from Louisville, Kentucky. He got into the coal business and back in the when it was booming back in the 1930s and early 40s and uh, he owned um, a Tway Coal Company and he had a, a, a big operation in Harlan County a smaller one in Knox County he also had a camp in Knox County called RC Tway Coal Company or Coal Camp I think it was well anyway that's where I was born in 1944 and lived there until 
right before I, I went into third grade. I mean, it was a holler between two mountains. Mm-hmm. They had to pipe in sunshine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't get daylight until 10 o'clock in the day. That's, that's how far back in the mountains it was. Other than the miners and their families that lived there, the only other uh, building was the commissary. And back not long before I was born, they were still paying the miners in script. And the only place that you could spend it, of course, was at the company store. Well, by the time I come along, they, uh, well, thanks to John L. Lewis and, and the Union Wars that was just atrocious, horrible, the miners did get paid in cash. And so they had the opportunity uh, to go places other than the company store. But my family never owned a car, had to walk every place. But mom and dad would walk into Harlan and do their grocery shopping once a month at the uh, A&P. That was the only supermarket. And uh, going to town on bill paying day and grocery day was a big, big deal. I mean, it was a social mm. affair. I bet. So I, I come from very... Uh, simple heritage. Mm-hmm. We're talking again to Mary Lynn Snyder. What was your maiden name and what are your mom and dad's names? Uh, Logan and Ruby Harris. Okay. They were my parents. Were they from Harlan too? or where were they No, from? both parents were uh, originally from Knox County. Oh. Do you have any family handed down recipes from Thanksgiving? Mother would cook for days. Uh, and I, it, it takes me at least two days to cook for Thanksgiving. Wow. It must be good stuff. Well, it's just stuff we like. Now, this is basically the sweet potato casserole that my mother made, only instead of pecans, she used the black walnuts. You take three cups of cooked sweet potatoes, now, we raised our own sweet potatoes, of course, so they were always plentiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, mother would just cook them in water and uh, in the skin. And uh, when they were good and soft, she would uh, uh, remove the, the skin and mash them. A half cup sugar, half teaspoon of salt, half st- stick of butter, a half cup of evaporated milk, half teaspoon vanilla, half teaspoon, no, one teaspoon of cinnamon, and two eggs. Now that's the body of the casserole. Uh, the topping is a half cup of brown sugar. She made her own brown sugar too. How'd she do that? With white sugar and molasses. Yeah, I, I don't think I could replicate it today, but she did. Uh, okay, a half cup of uh, brown sugar, a third cup of uh, flour, cup of chopped pecans, like I said she used walnuts, and a third stick of butter are the ingredients for the topping. Now you preheat the oven to 350 degrees. I've already went over this, but I'll read it anyway. Boil whole unpeeled sweet potatoes until soft. Drain, cool, cool, and peel. Uh, Using a hand mixer on medium speed, blend all ingredients until smooth and fluffy. Pour mixture into a baking casserole dish. Sprinkle topping mix over the casserole and bake for 35 to 40 minutes. 
For the topping, use a pastry cutter or two knives to cut sugar, flour, and butter into crumbles. Add the nuts and then mix thoroughly. That's the recipe. Now, mother never had a hand mixer. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the old-fashioned, the old-time uh, potato mashers. Yes, ma'am. So that's, that's what she would have used uh, to blend all this. I updated the recipe to... Uh, the way we do things today mm -hmm. and as, if she had written this recipe for you instead of a half a cup of evaporated milk she would have said a half a cup of pet milk and like for uh, the half a uh, stick of butter she would have said a lump of butter about the size of an egg <laughs> oh what a good recipe describe the taste of it would you Barry Lucas says it's more of a dessert, but that uh, he could eat it for breakfast, and he has. <laughs> it's very good, it really is. I bet it is. And again, we have just heard this recipe from Mary Snyder and your mother and father again. Ruby and Logan Harris. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are talking about Thanksgiving recipes and stories, and we are visiting right now with Mary Lynn Snyder, and she's going to share next her mother's dressing recipe. Now, we're talking about Thanksgiving, and you mentioned you like dressing, broccoli casserole, green beans, and surprise pie, and dressing. So... Did, what makes your dressing different, or how you make yours? Well, I make it like uh, Mother made it years and years and years ago. Uh, the dressing is a complement to the uh, chicken and dumplings. You, they just go together. You just got to have them. Mm -hmm. And you got to have cranberry sauce or cranberry salad with all that, too. Oh, yes. I, it, it would take me uh, 15 minutes to list it all. <laughs> but the dressing is a cornbread base dressing. So I bake me a big pound of cornbread at least a week before Thanksgiving because it needs to be dried out a little. Mm -hmm. uh, and for convenience sake these days, uh, I do buy a bag of like Pe Pepperidge Farm or even stovetop mm -hmm. stuffing mm -hmm. uh, to add to the cornbread. You crumble your cornbread. Oh, let me back up. Back years ago, before the Pepperidge Farm and the stovetop stuffing, you saved your uh, biscuits, uh, stale light bread. Uh, we would toast uh, the light bread and cut it up into cubes and crumble the biscuits up along with the uh, stale cornbread. Mm -hmm. Get our bread mixture all together. Add about a cup of uh, diced onions to that. Uh, about a cup of uh, diced celery and uh, then of course your uh, flavoring is uh, sage, uh, thyme. I use Italian spices and parsley. So about how much you look at it don't you? No you taste it. Once you get your bread uh, prepared then you start pouring in chicken broth mm -hmm. and you moisten your bread and you have to let it sit for a little while for it to absorb uh, the chicken broth. Then you add your uh, sage and, and all that and mix it up. 
and taste it. Mm-hmm. And you just keep doing that until it tastes right. And then I uh, put it in a casserole pan, like the 8 by 12 or 9 by 13, mm-hmm. depending on how much I've ended up with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I use uh, either Pam or some of the sprays to spray the pan with. It'll just slice and come out easier. Mm-hmm. Bake it at about 350 degrees until you look at the top of it and it looks right. <laughs> and you, then you take it out of the oven. Oh, it's so delicious if you uh, get you a serving of it, and then you ladle some of that good dumpling gravy over top of it. Oh, my goodness. The chicken and dumplings uh, was our tradition because Mother always raised chickens. Uh-huh. Uh, and we didn't live in town. Mm-hmm. So turkey was just never a part of our holiday meals. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would fix a big fat hen, you know? Yes. And so that was our poultry. And, of course, we always had ham out in the smokehouse. So chicken and dumplings. And she would roast the chicken. and She didn't tear it up into pieces. Mm-hmm. She would uh, put it in a, a pot with water just long enough to get the surface fat melted so that she could then make a broth, a good broth. Mm-hmm. And she would uh, actually uh, bake the hen then. So we would have baked hen, mm. dumplings, dressing, and all that other stuff. So that's a big part of holidays for us. And I've continued that, uh, chicken and dumplings and ham. Uh, but since so many people like turkey, yes. I did buy the turkey breast for this year. Well, I have in the past too, so we will have turkey breast too. Okay. Goodness, Mary Lynn, thank you so much. Well, you're just so welcome. Yeah, all right. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. Thank you so much for tuning in today by radio or podcast. I sure hope that you're having a good day. And today we are setting the table with a feeling of thankfulness and Thanksgiving recipes. You've just heard from Mary Lynn Snyder, neat lady born in 19, I think, 46, born and raised just outside of, of Hazard, Kentucky, in the R.C. Toy Coal Camp. Say, hey, good looking, what you got cooking? Something up with me Hey, sweet baby Don't you think maybe We could find us a brand new recipe And now it's time for Mary D.D. Constantine. She's that basset hound-loving, grandbaby chasing, happily retired former food writer for the Knoxville New Sentinel. It's a tradition in many homes that the Thanksgiving dinner not be served until the afternoon. That gives the hunters in the family plenty of time to come back home from their annual Thanksgiving morning deer hunt. The venison steaks, roasts, and ground meat derived from the carcass of that deer is an important resource that can keep a family well-fed for months. If you're lucky enough to be gifted with venison and have never prepared it before, the Foxfire book is a great resource. 
It's dedicated to the people of the mountains, and it shows how things have been done the old-fashioned way. Like for a four-pound roast, for instance, the book recommends placing it in a pot, covering it with water, adding one pot of red pepper, and parboiling the meat uncovered until it's tender. That's supposed to take the wild taste out of the meat. Then you just remove the roast, you wipe it dry, sprinkle it with salt and pepper, and brown it in the oven. For a two-pound venison steak, it's recommended to soak for an hour in a half of a cup vinegar, one cup of water, and a teaspoon of salt. Then remove the steak, dry it off, roll it in flour, and season with salt, pepper, and garlic powder. Brown it in shortening at high heat. Cover and simmer it low for 45 minutes to an hour. If you want to, you can actually pound that steak before you uh, roll it in the flour. Now, many hunters just go ahead and have all of their deer meat processed into ground venison. If that's the case, a great way to make a meatloaf is to mix two and a half pounds of ground venison with one pound of sausage, two eggs, two teaspoons of salt, a teaspoon of pepper, a whole onion chopped, and one and a half cups of breadcrumbs that have been kind of dampened with a little bit of water. Mix that all together, shape it into a loaf, and bake it for about an hour at 400 degrees. Man, you have one lip-smacking meal. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you hunters. Be safe. This is Mary Constantine with the Tennessee Farm Table. This is John Waters, agriculture teacher at Heritage High School in Blount County, Tennessee, and you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. And now let's hear from our friend Fred Saussman from Johnson City, Tennessee. This is Potluck Radio. I'm Fred Saussman. We don't think much nowadays about how turkeys get from farm to market to oven, but from around 1884 to 1920, in rural, mountainous Hancock County, Tennessee, it was quite an undertaking. Imagine moving hundreds of turkeys 35 miles over rugged land and rough water. Imagine keeping track of which turkeys are yours and which belong to your neighbor. Imagine what happens at evening roosting time when the turkeys take control and head for the trees. Imagine your disappointment when, at the end of that long turkey trek, you don't get the price you'd hope the birds would bring. Scott Collins of Sneedville isn't old enough to remember the legendary turkey drives of his home county, but he has studied the strange practice as much as anyone. On his office wall is a photograph taken, he thinks, around 1912. It depicts dozens of turkeys on the grounds of the Hancock County Courthouse. And they would drive these turkeys to Morristown and to Rogersville. They'd put those few turkeys up on that raft and pull them to the other side. So this went on until they got them all on the other side of the river. And I thought about that a lot. What a, what a task that must have been. Scott says the turkey herders were totally at the mercy of the buyers in Morristown and Rogersville. Sometimes the farmers got the price they expected, oftentimes they did not. That was their way of life, of actually making some money for to feed their families. The people in this area had it tough. 
Improved transportation and probably accumulated fatigue ended the turkey drives. Scott Collins says people today have a hard time believing the drives ever occurred, but they did, and that photograph in front of the Hancock County Courthouse in Tennessee is proof. For Potluck Radio, I'm Fred Saussman. And up next, I recorded this story from a late father who is an old-fashioned East Tennessee doctor. He accumulated a lot of friends with interesting stories in his 60-plus years of practicing medicine, and this story is one of them. This old patient of mine, sort of a character, he drank a lot of beer, and he'd uh, get an upset stomach and throw up a little bit and think he was dying, and He'd call me in the middle of the night to come out to the house and check him over. And he didn't have any insurance or anything, but he he paid me with a turkey egg and a great big old thing. And I take it home and cracked it and put it in the skillet to fry it and filled up the whole skillet. <laughs> Where'd he live? He, he lived down in the ball camp area which was country back then mm -hmm. and now it's uh, built up with homes just a suburb now it's not country like it used to be and about what year was that do you remember probably 1968 something like that how funny yeah. that's a good story dad <laughs> okay. This is David Rule, chef and co-owner of Trotter's Barbecue, located in Sevierville, Tennessee, and you are listening to Tennessee Farm Table. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.